0: Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of the Wolfpacker.com and fellow co-host, Matt Carter. And today, we're going to talk about something that NC State fans, I think, have been looking forward to for quite some time now. Spring football. That's right. We're going to talk some football today, and we're going to focus ahead on what's to come in the fall and what should be an exciting rest of 2022 for Wolfpack Nation. Before we do all that, some uh, household chores to take care of here. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch these podcasts on our YouTube channel, where you should please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And while you're at it, please give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. Um, I'll give you a comment prop. Tell me... Who impressed you the most in the spring game, in the red and white spring game? Drop a comment, who you think impressed you the most. We'll talk about who impressed us the most this past Saturday. Um, And one more thing, head over to thewolfpacker.com right now and take advantage of a special deal the On3 Network has going on. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 Network, which includes all of the great work at thewolfpacker.com. So, Unlocks access to the message board. You get to know the latest and greatest information before it comes public, and you can chit chat with fellow Wolfpack fans, talk about what you're looking forward to the most, all kinds of good stuff on there. So take advantage of that deal. Just a dollar, years worth of premium subscription. It'll take you through the football season, and I'm till next April. So mm-hmm. hell of a deal. Take advantage of it. All right, Matt. It's been a minute since we've. Uh, We've been on the pod. For, for those that have been anxiously awaiting for the next drop of the Wolfpacker podcast, I apologize. The hiatus is on me. I got I got COVID. I, I made it two years without COVID, and then I get COVID when there's literally like 150 cases in San Francisco. I, I don't know how it happened, but it happened, and it sucked. But I'm feeling a lot better, and I'm going to be feeling a lot better after this because I'm so excited to talk about football. After watching the red and white game on the ACC digital network, uh, some impressive things. But I think we got to start with the biggest story from Saturday, which is the way you put it, Matt Carter, in your tweet for your stories. Cool. Devin Leary can still throw that rock around, can he? He he looked uh, he looked comfortable. He looked impressive on Saturday. What uh, was that the biggest thing that jumped out to you, Matt?
1: It was. I mean, I, I put. I feel like, uh, and we're going to reach a point where maybe NC State fans and even us who cover NC State are going to start taking it for granted, right? You reach that stage where you just assume and take for granted that Devin Leary's is going to be really good throwing the football. And it's a good problem. That's the great problem to have. I mean, that's where you want to reach as a quarterback. You kind of. I'm sure Carolina fans were the same way with Sam Howell last year, right? They just assumed Sam Howell was going to be great, and and and, and a warrior in every game they played. And um, Pittsburgh fans were that way about Kenny Pickett, and I think NC State fans may be at risk of, uh, if he continued to throw the ball like he did, kind of be at risk of just taking it for granted how good he is, and of course, we're getting used to it. Um, he made them really great throw, putting the ball with just great um, pinpoint accuracy, especially on some of those medium-range passes towards the sideline where you know, maybe the DB looked like he could jump the route. But because Leary threw it perfectly on that outside shoulder, DB couldn't reach it. I have a couple of times where DB reached out, thinking he probably had an easy breakup uh, on it to be beyond his outstretched hands and end up being caught wasn't perfect. I think there were a couple of deep balls he would like to have back. Um, one was intercepted by Sean Brown. So, yeah, are no quarterbacks ever going to be perfect in the game. But, yeah, and the list of question marks about this team, the quarterback is way down at the bottom, at least at the starting quarterback level. I mean, I, there may be some questions about the backup of it. And the health of Devin Leary is going to be crucially important. This fall, but yeah, he can. As I said in my uh, superlative, for a guy who's actually a natural left hander and he doesn't always grip the football by the laces, he can sure spleen it. I mean, (laughs) that's just, yeah, it's very unusual. Well, you know, another
0: thing that jumped out to me, I mean, as impressive as Leary was, you know, one of the question marks going into the season is going to be, you know, how do you replace some of the players that shine last season, moving on to the NFL, one of those being Emeka Mezi, graduating, his uh, his college eligibility runs up. How are you going to place the production that he was able to bring to the table? And what you know, another thing that really impressed me was just this receiving core. There's a lot of great options on this team. Um, I feel even more confident about the wide receiver room than I did going into the spring game because I mean you had guys like. Keon Lassane stepping up. Devin Carter, the chemistry with Devin Leary looked really, really solid. Uh, you, know, you know what you're going to get out of Thayer Thomas. But, you know, even some young targets like Anthony Smith, three catches, 67 yards, a touchdown. Um, you know, uh, the Seabro, t- um, Fre- Frederick Seabro, Frederick and Cedric. I always mix them up. They're twins. They look exactly alike. But Frederick was the one that really shined with the red team he looked like a really strong receiving tight end you know maybe given the Wolfpack a, a receiving option at tight end kind of like they had in carrie angeline and and we know that devin leary liked to have the, the big tall target at tight end you know watch out for him to have an impressive redshirt freshman season but to me the receipt the passing game looked really efficient and then you throw in the fact that You've got Jordan Houston as your feature back now and and the rap on him has always been that he's a versatile back and he's a he's a he's a back that can catch the ball and, and produce some yards with it and, and we know that Tim Beck he's going into his third season in Raleigh now, but that was kind of the rapport on Tim Beck when he arrived, is that he likes to get the running backs involved in the passing game and you know, as as great as Ricky Person and Bam Knight, you know, had been for NC State. They weren't necessarily, you know, Bam Knight specifically, you know, pass catching wasn't necessarily their specialty per se. They improved, but it wasn't their specialty. And you might be getting that in some in, a, in an explosive back like Jordan Houston. Um, did you Did you have any of those same observations, Matt, when it came to just the receiving game? just with just with all the options at receiver and then also just getting the backs involved in the passing game?
1: Yeah, I think that was a fair question to ask, too. Mecca Emeji was kind of the bailout guy a lot last year, right? The guy, had, all else fails, throw it up to Emeka. Or need a crucial catch here. This is a, a, we've got to get a, a completed pass here. We're going to Emeka. Like in the Clemson game against that very stout defense, how many times did they go to a Mecca? I mean, he had a lot of catches in that game. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but he was. I mean, obviously Devin Carter had the two touchdown catches, but you know, I imagine what the guy was the go-to guy for them in that game. Right? Obviously, the UNC game is one that will be forever remembered. How do you replace that? It's kind of a there are more, you know, obvious questions on offense like the offensive line and the running game be more consistent and a bigger factor, but replacing that go-to receiver. So sorry about that. I'm um, um, looking up Emeka's, Emeka's stats and the video player started playing on me, but he caught 14 passes in that Clemson game. Um. And yeah, I do, I do feel better about the resuming court. You know, Dale Jones didn't even play or show that much in the spring game, the transfer from Maryland who has experience and a a proven value of being a rotational receiver at a power five school. And you didn't even really see him in the spring game, but I thought Keon Lesane and Anthony Smith looked like two guys who were ready to step up. I know that they think Julian Gray is good enough to play. Obviously Porter Rooks is good enough to play. And and now you get in a position to try to figure out what's the best combination and what's the best rotation to work with. Um, still don't know if we have the answer to the question of third and eight, you know, game on the line. We're going to a mecca here. Do, do we? Devin Carter that guy? Is Thayer Thomas that guy? Hey, that's still to be answered. I think they have an option. You got to also remember this one game, the H-back duo of Toodle and Penix were not out there. Christopher Toodle and Trent Penix. Uh, I think the passing game is going to be really, really good. I really do. I think the passing game is going to be excellent, and I think the fact that the passing game could even take another step will help the running game out because teams are, they're they're going to have really no choice. They can't load up the box, or they're going to get destroyed by a potential NFL quarterback with a lot of veteran receivers around him. They're just going to get eaten alive. And so they're going to have to respect that, and that will help out a guy like Jordan Houston running the football. Um, so that'll, you know, we didn't see a lot of running, by the way. I don't know because they weren't taking guys to the ground in the first first half, and a lot of the main guys sat out the second half. When they did start going more live, um, we didn't see a lot of tackling. So it's hard to gauge the running game. Uh, in this aspect, but and the caveat to all of this, I forgot to mention at the outbreak, is they were playing second-string defense, alright, there's a lot of young defensive backs, a lot of redshirt freshmen, even a true freshman out there, so they should dominate, they look dominant, but they should have dominated so there's they that, that caveat this was not ones versus ones out there, so um, they did look great but that was the way it was supposed to be.
0: Well, there's always a caveat when it comes to the spring game because, more or less, it's just a glamorized seven-on-seven scrimmage. You know, I, I, that was one thing that jumped out to me from from just watching the replay before this podcast. Matt is is I noticed, uh, you know, last you thinking back to last year's spring game, I feel like the guys were just so excited to get out there last year that maybe they were. Uh, Getting a little ahead of themselves in terms of some of the physicality it, there in the first half in that game, you know, Ben Finley got you know had an injury scare early on in that game. I think there were a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's always a successful spring game if you can just get out of it with no injuries. You you, you don't want to have any self-inflicted wounds, and you could almost tell uh, that that was a point of emphasis going into the game. Like guys, let, let, no, nobody's let's get out of here, nobody get hurt, you know, and then the guys that need to prove themselves in the second half, we can turn up the intensity a little bit. And at that point, you know, you, you take all the valuable guys out. But uh, I, I thought that was an encouraging, uh, that, that's what you want to see if, if, if you're rooting for the success of NC State football, is that, yeah, guys, t- take it easy a little bit. We just we want to see Devin Leary throw the rock. We want to see what the, what the playmakers can do. We want to see how you know some of the DBs look in coverage, but we're not trying to get too physical. And again, you know the defense. I don't think there's going to be too much to take away from this game defensively because you know the the core of the defense being that linebacker unit getting healthy, getting that group healthy again. You know, you you didn't have Peyton Wilson, you didn't have Isaiah Moore. Uh, that's okay. You know that that that's going to be a strength of this Wolfpack team, and we're just going to have to wait until the fall to see that in motion. Uh, to your point about, you know, who's going to replace Amezzi as the go-to guy on third and long situations, it, what was so spectacular about Amezzi last season, it, it wasn't necessarily that he was just burning guys. He's not a super speedster. He's, he's, his specialty is just going up and getting 50-50 balls, and that's really what you're looking for in a third and long option. That's not something we're gonna learn in spring. That's something that you're just gonna you're gonna have to learn in October when you're battling, you know, Virginia Tech on the road or whoever, and and it's a tight game and somebody's gonna have to go up and make a play. You've obviously got Thayer Thomas as the experienced guy in that regard. Um, but at the slot position, you know, it limits him in terms of his ability to, and, and just his physical size, his ability to just go up and get those 50 50 balls compared to a big target like a Mecca, a Maybe Anthony Smith is that guy. Again, Keon Lassane was a guy that really surprised me. He's been in that locker room for several years now, he's been around the block, he's learned from some of these experienced receivers that have moved on to, to better things in the NFL. I would not be shocked at all to see a breakout season from him, and he's a big target too. Um, but but speaking of the caveat of physicality, again, we're not going to learn a whole lot about the defense. We're not going to learn a whole lot about how good the offensive line is going to be from this game. But we were able to see just a glimpse of what that starting unit could look like, obviously with yet another caveat. I think it's probably the... Eighth or ninth time we've said that at this point, but we're still waiting to figure out the destiny of Chandler Zavala and if the NCAA will end up doing the right thing and letting him play. I sure hope so. I think the pressure is going to continue to build as this as it gets closer and closer to the season. Um, But Matt, you were there. You were there for the availability. You were there scouting out. You know who was on the first team, who was on the second team. So, tell me and the listeners a little bit about you know, what you were able to see from that offensive line unit rolling out there with the red team, and if there were any type of updates or comments about the Zavala situation, you know, after the game.
1: Not not after the game. Uh, he was asked, Dave Dorn was asked about it previously, maybe two weeks ago, and, you know, Interstate has hired a legal counsel to get involved, and and, and we've written about Chandler Zavala for anybody if they want to Google Google channel, like Javala, the Wolfpacker, you'll see the story. Um, but in a n- nutshell, uh, you know, he's appealing for an extra year of eligibility on strict letter of the rule of the law, you know, the NCAA denied it. It's one of those, if you peel back the, a little bit and, and look at look at the, uh, you know, the NCAA, look at it closer you realize okay the letter of the law is not helping anyone here and uh, giving him a extra year of eligibility not harming anyone it's a unique case and he deserves another year but you know he changes everything i think the key is left tackle anthony belton got denied um that might have been because grant gibson was banged up at center he didn't play so dylan mcmahon who's at left guard slid down the center vice and speed then went to left guard speed started all of last year at right tackle at the beginning of spring passes he was first screen left tackle uh, but he's very versatile he can play anywhere on the offensive line and then they have belton at left tackle i think they want anthony belton to be the left tackle he looks the part he's a legit 66 330 looks like what you want a left tackle to look like. And I think he'd probably be left tackle of the future. But the question is, is he ready now? Because you're going for it now. This is the year to go for it. And, you know, that plays a role in these decisions. You, you have a guy that, you know, can be steady probably probably in Bryson's fees. Is he an all-ACC guy? Maybe not. But, you know, he's steady. He's been through the wars. He's not... Frightened by anything, he'll be ready to go. Um, Anthony Belton, on the other hand, hasn't. And so do you want to throw a guy out, first year starter who barely ever played out there? If this was a team where you're, you know, you're not necessarily expecting to contend for an ACC title and by extension, bigger things, um, you may be inclined to say, let's get Anthony Belton out there and, and develop him and get him some valuable experience and we'll be better off long run for it. This isn't a long run year. This is a win now yeah. So that's it. If Belton wins the left tackle job, if he proves ready, that changes everything because he allows you to use Bryce and speed, his versatility, plug it anywhere in on the offensive line. You get your valor back and all of a sudden, you're really deep and versatile on the offensive line. And you would probably have two guys who are starting caliber Backing up, and that gives you a deep offensive line, which you don't always have. So, but they held up well again. Yeah, uh, the tenth time we said caveat, caveat being that with the second string defensive line and the defensive line was a short-handed position because um, CJ Clark didn't play, Corey Doden didn't play, Ibrahim Conte transferred out shortly before spring passes began. Terrell Dawkins transferred out after this fall season. Daniel Joseph exhausted his eligibility, so that's probably one position that was really shorthanded, So it's not necessarily they were going up against with Joe defense alignment. They were going up against with Joe defense alignment on a short-handed unit. So there were some walk-ons involved, and you would expect them to not have too much trouble, and they didn't. Um, they, they held up fine. Some big holes for Jordan Houston on the left side in particular. So maybe that's a good sign with Belton, but. Hard to say. Javala, I would say this, clock's ticking. NFL draft at the end of the month. I have not seen him working out for any NFL draft team. But there's also the supplemental draft, which comes later in the summer, which is essentially teams can say a player might now be available that wasn't available for the regular NFL draft. And teams can say, I will take my – fourth round pick in the supplemental draft and surrender my fourth round pick in the regular draft to take Chandler Ligavala. I mean that's a possibility. So um, so that's just something to watch. I mean that's that's clock I think he would have to have a decision within the next few weeks realistically to be coming back. Otherwise he's gotta make decisions for himself. I mean I don't think he wants to I think his odds are better if he goes in the supplemental draft. Um Rather than risk having to sit out all of next season and disappearing from the radar. Well, it's certainly
0: something we'll be monitoring, and uh, again, another great reason to take advantage of that deal dollar for just for a year, just a dollar for a year's worth of premium subscription. Get that subscription now. Go to Wolfpackercom Matt Carter is going to give you the latest and greatest on the Zavala updates, uh, probably before even some of that public knowledge comes out. So. <laughs> All, all all, the reasons to take advantage of that deal. But, you know, we talked about the gap that Emeka Mezi leaves in the receiving core. Probably the biggest gap that's being left behind is the loss of Iki Akwanyu to the NFL draft. He's going to be an anticipated, you know, almost a guaranteed top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. If not, I mean, he, he could end up going as high as one. We don't know. I mean, it, it's it's just one of those drafts where there's no no-brainer first overall pick, um, and you're not going to replace. You're not going to get a full replacement of a Yu's production that he was able to do. But with a guy like Anthony Belton, a young, unproven guy, big frame, somebody that the coaching staff is excited about, it does remind you a little bit of how Icky Quan Yu came onto the scene as a true freshman. Nobody had any type of expectations for a Yu coming in as a true freshman, He, you know, earns the starting gig in, you know, what was a down year in 2019, but it was one of the positives that led to the success in future seasons. Um, So maybe, you know, Belton could follow those footsteps and and be a surprise guy that comes in as a young contributor that, you know, exceeds expectations beyond what you'd expect someone of his age to do at the ACC level. Um, Just to wrap up our spring football you know, review here, Matt, is there, are there any names that we haven't mentioned yet that you feel, you know, impressed you stuck out to you or just something that you want to give the listeners before we, we wrap up our spring football review.
1: No, I think we really hit on a lot of the highlights. I just wanted to add too that. A lot of defensive guys did not play. Um, so I think what was in and with the second screen offense got nothing going. Um, no, despite, despite the fact we already mentioned no C.J. Clark, no Corey Durden on the defensive line. You already mentioned no Isaiah Moore, no um, Peyton Wilson at linebacker, no D'Reke Pitts at corner, no Tyler Baker-Williams at nickel. Uh, um, all these guys were out. All those guys I mentioned, probably starters. I mean, that's five or six starters, depending on what they want to do with the defensive line. I mean, all, all
0: ACC caliber.
1: Yeah, and none of them played, and so that shows you the depth and the quality of the defenders they had But they still – I mean, the, op, the, the if you want to look at the stats, they're out there somewhere. I mean, the, the white team, the reserve team, I don't think converted a third down. I think they had, like, 50 yards of offense. I mean, they were pretty silly. Just could not get anything going. So, um. I think that uh, that something that should be mentioned. Those guys look really, really good, and Joe um, so
0: yeah, the white white team mine. white team forty eight total yards on thirty seven plays, zero for eleven on third down. That's pretty good. Pretty yeah. pretty pretty good. Um, yeah. I guess what
1: the great Larry David.
0: Yeah, the great, the great, the irreplaceable Larry David. Um, I guess one name that maybe we haven't mentioned that I think is worth mentioning, Demi Sumo had a few nice rushes, got involved in the passing game a little bit. Young guy that the coaching staff is excited about. And, you know, y- you lose person, you lose Bam Knight. Those are you know, Demi Sumo building up that running back uh, depth. And, and you got, you know, Delbert Mims is a capable veteran ball carrier that, you know, you could still have that one, two, three punch, kind of like NC State has had in seasons past. Um, I guess to transition here, lastly, other news, big news in Wolfpack land outside of football. I know we don't want to talk about men's basketball too, too much here, but there was some encouraging news in the past week. Levi Watkins was named an assistant coach for the <laughs> NC State team, <clears throat> uh, former Wolfpacker himself um you know there had been there there has been some noise out there that that may be something that this current program could improve upon is is reaching back up into the past of of past nc state players and and this certainly a, a strong step forward in that regard and getting a guy that has been here done that and you know kind of probably a destination type gig for Levi Watkins coming back home to NC state and getting to compete in the ACC. Um, Matt, just your impressions of that hire and, and, you know, is, is this something he's coming from Ole Miss? I saw on Twitter that, you know, there's a transfer from Ole Miss that's going to look at NC state potentially, you know, maybe there's a connection there. Maybe you can get a twofer and if you can get, you can get a coach from Ole Miss, maybe you can get a player too. And, just w- what what do you know about Levi Watkins and, and what's kind of his specialty other than just being an NC State guy? What do you think he's going to bring to this coaching staff that uh, can give some reason for encouragement for Wolfpack fans?
1: Well, I think they for one, yes, he's very much attached to Luis Rodriguez, who you're referring to, the old Miss Wayne, who's on the transfer board. He's an excellent rebounder, an excellent defensive player. Um. We talked about in the war room. I right? there's a feeling that he could probably, you know, kind of not maybe the best fit for the old myth offensive system that maybe by going to NC State he uh, could kind of get freed up a little bit, a little bit more freedom that he would like, um, to, to do better offensively. But um and I think that's one of the benefits you have at right? The guy can proven track record and recruit him. Um, they, uh, for instance, Luis Rodriguez is not the only player from Ole Miss to hit the portal. You may not, may not be the last, and you have an instant connection. I think that's one of the things I was looking for in an assistant coach is the ability to bring some players with them, because ultimately that's what this is about. you got to get the roster in better shape. And so you need guys like Levi Watkins that have the capacity to do so. And Levi knows NC State. Not only did he play at NC State, he coached at NC State coach with Sidney Lowe, coach with Mark Godfrey, he knows the university, he knows it inside out. Uh, he knows the basketball culture, the basketball history. I mean he knows how to sell something like entry state because he's lived it. So so I, I to me it was a win win and I think the timing just worked out well. I mean old Missy kinda they got off to a real good start under Clement Davis. Kinda struggled last year. He's going into year five, so you know, for Levi, I saying, you know what? Uh, this might be a good time to jump to NC State and, and help out my alma mater. So, uh, timing worked well. Um, and so, I mean, to me, he he was an obvious guy from the from the get-go when you look at uh, kind of an assistant coaching board. Okay, if the first question was Kevin Keith going to divert from what he normally does, which is hire somebody who really knows well, has a very long background with, is familiar with. And if he was, then Levi Watkins was number one on the list of guys that made sense for NC State. So uh, I think it's a good hire. We're still waiting on the second hire. Don't know who that's going to be yet or the timing of it. But, um, you know, to me, like I said, Levi made a lot of sense. And we'll see if he's able to get right off the bat, if we can get Luis Rodriguez to come over. and That helps. Luis Rodriguez is the type of player that would help NC State.
0: Look, the last time NC State had a former player that was a prominent assistant on the bench, worked out pretty well. Monty Tao was a pretty pretty solid uh, assistant coach for the Wolfpack. Maybe Levi can follow in those footsteps and give the pack a boost heading into this next season. Uh, just quickly on the on the topic of the transfer portal, you know, living on the West Coast and just how fast these things move. I. I I, I really don't know what's going on other than what's just been posted on Twitter. I saw that Landers Nolly is going to pay NC State a visit. I know that's a guy that Kevin Keats ranted and raved against You know when he played at Virginia Tech, when NC State met Virginia Tech a couple times in Mike Young's first season. That first meeting that year, uh, Landers Nolly had an incredible game against the Wolfpack and I think Kevin Keats was licking his chops thinking, that's a guy I'd really like to see in my system because I think he could really thrive in my system as opposed to Mike Young's. He ends up going to Memphis last year, but he's transferring out. Um, would that be another name to watch? Are there any other names that the listeners should be watching out for in the portal as of, as of right now?
1: Yeah, him, uh, for sure, he visited Texas A&M, which may be hard. Mike um, Williams originally signed Landis Nile to Virginia Tech. Landis Niley had to sit out that first year with some academic um, stuff. And Bud Williams went to coach that first year. Uh, then Bud Williams left for Texas A&M. Landis Niley had an incredible freshman season for Mike Young at Virginia Tech. Then he decided to transfer out of Mike's Young program. And entry state was one of the schools he looked at at that point. He ended up picking Memphis, played for Memphis for two years, you know, had a nice first year at Memphis, not quite as nice second year, but uh, when Amani Bates left the team or got hurt, I'm not sure exactly remembering which way it happened. You know, Nolly's role started to bump back up and he had a nice finish to the year. Um, you know, so if you're in today, you're hoping that he wants to get back to the ACC and he wants the freedom of Kevin Keats' offense, which would help him out. If you get him, you're getting a double-digit scorer who would really kind of almost negate Darion Sebron's departure. I mean, you know, if you could get him and Luis Rodriguez coming back with the return of Casey Morsell and potentially to Quavion Smith, and, you know, even if Sebron does come back, we'll see, I mean, he's put his name in the draft, but he's maintained his eligibility. All of a sudden, you're feeling pretty good about your perimeter forward guard position. Still need a point guard. Um, and then also Jack Clark from LaSalle is another name to watch. Um, he might be visiting this weekend as well. Double-digit score at LaSalle, which is uh, in the Atlantic 10. So if you had to rank the conferences, you got the, you got the Power 5 plus Big East, which at the college basketball level is really a Power 6. The Atlantic 10 probably the next best conference, along with maybe the West Coast Conference out there with uh, Justin's beloved West Coast Conference. Um, so, yeah, that's another, uh, another name to watch be a double does the score in the A-10. There's it, nothing to sneeze at. Um, so you're starting to see the wing board come together. Still got to figure out what, what they plan to do at point guard. And if they're looking at maybe adding another big man, uh, to, to complement what they have. Um, but a lot to figure out. They still, we're a long ways away from knowing what the State basketball roster will look like in 2022-23.
0: Yeah, one one last comment on on, on the Nolly possibility before we uh, sign off here. You know, you're, you're either, if you're a recruit or you're a prospect, you're either a Buzz Williams guy or you aren't. Clearly he's a Buzz Williams guy if he signed with him. I'm sure that there's some prospects that pay Texas A&M a visit or wherever Buzz Williams is and be like, oh, hell no, I'm not playing there. But my word of advice for the coaching staff at NC State, sell, sell Raleigh. What Landers, wouldn't you rather live in Raleigh for the next year than College Station? I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> that, that that That's just my two cents. Um, and, you know, he's an East Coast guy. So, anyways, that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, again, reminders, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always... Watch us on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're there. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. Remember, I asked who impressed you the most from the spring game. You can say Devin Leary. That'd be a great answer. But if you want to get, you know, cuter with it and you want to show off your football knowledge, uh, you know, tell, tell us why you're picking somebody else. So, uh, you know, drop a comment on YouTube. Uh, head over to the Take advantage of that special deal the On3 Network has going on. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 Network, which includes all the great work at the Wolfpacker.com. So, again, we mentioned a lot of things in this podcast of reasons why you should be a member at the Wolfpacker.com. You got the Zavala decision to look about. You've got all these transfers out there. Transfer season's a great time to have that premium subscription Get yourself ready for football season. You know we got baseball season wrapping up here, so lots and lots of great stuff. And again, it's just a dollar. So you, I mean, come on, everything's so expensive now. You can't you can't get anything for a dollar, but you can get yourself a lot of wisdom about NC State athletics. So go take advantage of that deal. Uh, lastly, follow us on social media. You can follow us at our main account at The Wolfpacker on Twitter. If you want to give me a follow, it's at Justin H. Will on Twitter. And give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.